experiencing, no matter what situation you find yourself in, Jesus changes everything. And I love, I love the lines in that song of just saying, show us your glory. God, show us your glory in wonder and surrender we fall down. What do you need to surrender this morning? What do you need to surrender? If you have something in your mind already, lay it at his feet. Lay it down at the altar, say, God, I don't need this. I'm giving it to you, show me your glory. Amen, God is good, church. He is good, amen. We are in our, our local legends weekend. Are you guys loving it? Yes. If, you ha if this is the first service you've been to this weekend, you missed out on two other preachers. You need to go back and listen to them. Pastor Brad preached last night. Pastor Sean preached this morning. They were awesome words. Go back and watch them, please. It's amazing. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Connor. I am the next-gen pastor here. It's amazing. That means I oversee the little kids, the elementary kids, and I also have the privilege of leading our youth. Yes. Yes. I love it. And what that really means is that I get to champion your kids. The things that you are instilling in them, the ways that you are training them up, I get to come alongside you and I get to speak life into those things. You know, just before service this morning, I actually had a parent talk to me. I'm not going to say who because I didn't ask if I could say yet. But she said, my daughter, she comes home and she told me the other week she came home on Wednesday and she said, mom, do you know what I, what I heard tonight? That I'm worthy. I heard that I'm worthy. Man. And I share that because... I said, you know, she needed to hear that. And the mom replied, yeah, she needed to hear it from more than just me. Because she's saying it at home, but sometimes, parents, it just takes another voice. Just takes another voice to come alongside and say the exact same thing. And that's what, that's what we want to do. We just want to come alongside and we want to speak life into your kids. So it's paying off. What you're doing is paying off in their lives. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Keep going. You are raising world changers. And I don't say that lightly. Every week I see them step into something new. I see them break out of their comfort zone and step into the things that God has for them. Keep going. We are going to see these generations change the world. Come on. Come on. So before we get into it this morning and get to our scripture, I just want to say a huge thank you to pastors Jesse and Lauren. They lead this church with such grace, such boldness and passion, and it is always an honor to be able to be on this stage and preach to you guys. So thank you, Pastor Jesse and Lauren, as they're on vacation. I'm sure they're watching. Thank you. I love you. You guys are amazing, and we couldn't be doing this church without you. So thank you so much. Come on, give it up for our pastors. Awesome. Well, if, if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and open it up 
we will be in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold... Two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. God, I thank you for your presence this morning. I thank you that as we come into your house, your presence is already here. That we get to bask in your glory. God, show us your glory this morning. I pray that our hearts would be ready to receive the word that you have. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can go ahead and take your seats. And I like to tell our youth this. As you're sitting down, if you don't know the person next to you, ask them what their name is. Let's learn someone new this morning, right? Let's meet some new people in church. We all need community. We need people that love us. So this morning... You know, as I was thinking of a title, I always struggle with the title, to be honest. I, I have all the points, I get all these things, but I struggle with finding, you know, the cool, fancy words to, to wrap it all up in this title. And so I was thinking about it, because this morning what we're going to be talking about is not spending just a moment in his presence, but living in his presence. So the title is not just a moment. Not just a moment. And as I thought about it, the song, Hanging by a Moment, came to mind. Raise your hand if you know that. It's by Lifehouse. Hanging by a moment here with you. Okay, wow, like two people. Jeesh. Okay, there's a few more over here. Okay. So that one came to mind. And then this classic from my childhood by Shania Twain, From This Moment On. Raise your hand if you know that song in here. Okay, wow, a lot more people. Yeah. Okay. So those things ran through my mind, but I figured, nah, we're just going to go with not just a moment. So a couple weeks ago, we took 53 students to youth camp. 53. It was awesome. And shameless plug, kids camp starts tomorrow. If you have kindergartners through fifth graders, get them to kids camp tomorrow. This is such an amazing opportunity for you to even get your neighbors into church. Man, if you get those kids to camp and they get excited about Jesus, their parents are going to follow. Get the kids in the house. Come on. Camp always seems to be this, this mountain peak week for students. We're on the, this mountaintop. And for us as leaders, it's something that I like to refer to as the valley of patience. Just kidding, only a little. Takes a lot of patience at camp. But it's always amazing to see what God does, not only in students' lives, but in the leaders while we're there. 
See, we're away from our normal routines, our to-do lists, our chores, our jobs, whatever it is, we're away from all of the distractions. And because there's less distractions, we're able to focus on God. We're able to put him right in front of our face. And all year long, I have students tell me that they can't wait for camp because there's an expectancy, right? There's an expectancy to see God move. There's an expectancy to hear from him. And there's an expectancy to feel his presence. And every night at camp, there's always a time at the altar where whoever is preaching calls students to come down to the altar to receive whatever it is that God is laying out. And there's always a huge response. Like at camp, every night, there's always just hundreds of students at the altar. And this year, I looked at that time with different eyes. I, I asked myself the question, what would happen if we took this response to our everyday? What would happen if we responded this way to God's calling every morning? What if we lived in his presence like we did in those moments? And that's what was really troubling me. It began to stir in my spirit because I believe that us as Christians, we've conditioned ourselves to crave the moments of presence. And because of that, we live our Christian life just jumping from moment to moment to moment. Riding that high from camp or that high from the conference or maybe it's just from the one Sunday service to the next week's Sunday service. You see, we get our fill in that moment and then slowly we leak all week long until we roll up into church riding on fumes. Rolling on fumes to get that next fill. But you see, the problem with simply living in the moments of his presence is that the moments are all about me. God, fill me. I'm desperate. I need you. Come and refill me again. They're all about me. Now, will we have seasons of this? Will we have times in our life where we need to do this? Yes. Of course, there will be times. But that should not be the norm of our Christian faith. That should not be the norm of our relationship with God. Because the moment of presence is about yourself, but the life lived in his presence is about what he can do through you. The life lived in his presence is about what others will experience. In Philippians 2, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Man, there's a lot of people in this world that need to hear that. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. 
being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The life lived in his presence says, God, I need more of you. I will encounter people today that will need to hear your hope, people that will need to hear your peace, that will need to hear about your grace and your mercy, and I want to have something to give them. Share with me the wisdom that someone's going to need from you today. Remind me of the peace that surpasses understanding so that when I encounter that cashier at Aldi, I can share with them that same peace. See, I want people to, in, to, I want the people that I encounter to receive from my overflow and not from my lack. I don't want my well to be dry. So this morning, we're going to hit on three things that happen when we have a lifestyle lived in his presence. We're going to talk about the why. But before that, let's just br- briefly talk about how to live in his presence. How do we live in his presence? Simply, you need to take time each day to spend with him. Take time out of your day. Make it a priority to invest in the relationship you have with God. So how do you do that? Read the word. Get in your Bible. Know what the word says because the word is truth. Pray. Pray. It's awesome when we go to God and we know that we can ask him of things, but pray the prayers of God, just show me your glory. All the praise is yours. All the glory is yours. I just want to be in your presence. Worship him. Then we need to listen to and obey the Holy Spirit. Throughout your day, you need to have ears that are tuned to your shepherd's voice. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Spend the time. Make it a priority. So the first, the first thing that we see this morning, our first why of having a life lived in his presence, is because we need to lean on his wisdom. We need to lean on God's wisdom. See, the world seems to be full of, of wise people right now, right? Full of people who have opinions and who like to share their opinions. But then we even have people who make their opinion fact and truth. There seems to be new ideas, new ideas and practices coming out every week. Every week we're hit with some new way of living or being that's based on the current trend. The thing that's getting the most attention. So a few weeks ago, God dropped this on my heart. It's something that we can't lose sight of. He said, Connor, what, what we are experiencing in the world, what we are experiencing in culture is not new territory for the big C church, and it's not new territory for God. What we're experiencing is not new. God is not surprised by the seemingly new philosophies. He's not surprised by the perversions of men. He's not surprised by false teachers, and he's certainly not surprised by the confusion that we're experiencing. 
We are not the first Christians who have dealt with an ungodly society. If you don't know that, read your Bible. It's full of ungodliness. See, we can't fall into the victimhood of believing that we're the first ones. We can't fall into believing that we are the ones pioneering the way. Because when we fall into that victimhood, we begin to carry that like a banner rather than Jesus as our banner. What do I mean by that? We start to have a vengeance mentality rather than a gospel mentality. And what does God say about vengeance? It's his. He says, vengeance is mine. But the other thing that happens in this victimhood, if we believe that we're the first ones, then we start to fall to what's easier. We start to fall to what what feels better. We fold, we give in. Rather than believing what is true in the word of God and believing that what God said is what's best, we fold to what feels better. Well, surely God didn't know about this. Or surely Paul was only talking to that one church, right? Surely this doesn't apply to us now. Or surely God would have told me. Surprise, he did. It's called the Bible. He's already told us what's true. He's already told us what's right and righteous. Colossians 1, 9 through 10 says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Man, that's been my prayer God, fill me with all spiritual wisdom and knowledge so that my life may be worthy of you. We need biblical wisdom. We do. We need it. Because if we try, if we try to lean on our own wisdom, we will not only fall, but we will allow unbelievers to fall with us. We'll allow them to fall, and we will fail them. We will fail them by preaching a false gospel, a watered-down, self-serving gospel. So we have to be in the Word every day. We have to be in prayer every day. We have to be in His presence every day and lean on His wisdom. And when we live in his presence, we're better able to do that. We know what the truth says. We know his heart. And so we can share his heart. Secondly, when we are living in his presence, our speech and our life will be attractive. Our speech and our life will be attractive. So raise your hand in here if you usually like to put salt and pepper on your food. 
Okay, wow. Either half of you aren't listening or I don't believe half of you. Raise your hand if you like to put salt and pepper on your food. Some kind of seasoning, right? Okay, keep your hand raised if you like a little food with your salt. Some of you, yeah. Let's be honest, salt is good. So we like to season our food, but why do we do that? It makes our food tasty, right? It makes it taste good. It makes the food more attractive. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt. What does that mean? Let it be attractive. Living in God's presence will draw people to you. As you carry his presence, people will be drawn to you. As they see your life and hear the hope-filled perspective you have, they will want to be around you. That's how God designed it because they're not drawn to you. They're drawn to Jesus in you. They're drawn to the Holy Spirit. Matthew 5, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill and it cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. God is putting you on a stand so that your light will be seen. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Guys, people are looking to us. Unbelievers are looking to us. And whether you like being seen or not, God tells you to let your light shine. To let the world see himself in you. And Pastor Jesse has been saying recently that we don't want people walking into this church and having it be the same in here as it is out there. No, we want it to be different in here. We should be different and we should stand out. I remember vividly the time that God spoke this to me. See, I had the opportunity a few years ago to go to Israel. If you ever get the opportunity to go, do it. I can't even explain in words the feeling of knowing that you are walking on the same roads that Jesus walked, that you're, you're riding in a boat on the sea that the disciples would have fished in. It's just an amazing experience, so please, please do that. But while we were there, they took us to the place that they think might be the Garden of Gethsemane. So this is the garden where Jesus spent time in prayer right before he was going to be arrested and then put on trial and then crucified. So as I was sitting there, I began to notice these beautiful red flowers. They were popping up all over in the garden. They were tall and they were spread out. They weren't all clumped together like a bush. They were just beautifully spread out in the garden. And since God often speaks to me through his creation, I decided to look into what these flowers meant. And as I did research, I discovered that 
They were called Anemone cornuaria, something like that. Most commonly known as poppy. They're the poppy flowers. And I also discovered that they are the, the national flower of Israel. But the word in Hebrew is kalanit, which means bride. See, they were named this because they evoke the same beauty of a bride on her wedding day. So now I've told you all of the pieces that make this, this story cool, so let's put it together. So while Jesus was praying in the garden, remember just before he was going to be arrested and then crucified, he prayed, but he prayed for more than just the cup to be taken from him. And that's usually what we remember of that prayer, right? He says, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. But if you read the account in John, you see that Jesus prays for so much more. He prays for his disciples. He prays for the people that he's been investing in, that he's been teaching, that he's been loving on. But then he also prays for you. And he prays for me. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me. That's you. I pray for those who will believe in me through their words so that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So while Jesus is in the garden praying for his bride, us, he's surrounded by these flowers that mean bride. And it painted such a beautiful picture to me that I actually got this poppy tattooed on my wrist. Because if you know anything about me, I don't really like to be the center of attention. Yes, God has called me to preach, but off stage, I don't really want to be the center of attention. But I wanted to remember that as the bride of Christ, I am meant to stand out. As the bride of Christ, you are meant to stand out. You are meant to be different. Your life should look different to your neighbors. Your life should look different to your coworkers. It should look different to the kids in your school. You should stand out. See, we are meant to shine so that others will see the glory of God and then too start glorifying him. See, when we live in his presence, we will live according to the word which will make our speech and lives attractive. It's not attractive so that people will just want the things that you have. It's not attractive so they'll, they'll want the, the job you have or whatever it is. It should be attractive so that they'll want the Jesus that you have. They'll want the hope that you have, the salvation that you have, the blessing that God has put on your life. They should see Jesus in you and be attracted to that. So lastly, as we are living a life in his presence, 
it should keep us moving forward. Living in his presence will keep us moving forward. There's a lot of things in life that can hold us back, right? Maybe it's shame. Shame from a past mistake. Or maybe it's shame from something that was done to you. But it's just something you haven't let go of yet. Maybe it's a sin that you haven't broken off of your life yet. You haven't given to God. Or maybe it's unforgiveness. Pastor Brad talked about that a little bit last night. See, when we offer forgiveness, we actually experience freedom. We can hold on to that unforgiveness. But there's also things that hold us back, like living in the glory days. The good old days, right? You see, I work with students, and so I have the opportunity to walk alongside them as they're preparing for college. Get to walk alongside them as, as they're wrestling with, with it, with God, trying to figure out which is the right path. And I often caution them. I remind them that, guys, your college years, they're not going to be the best years of your life. Now, why do I say that? Because there's this expectation that you peak in your college years. I hear so many people say that, man, I just loved college. I wish that I was back. I'm sorry, but if that's true for you, then you need to hear what Jesus says. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back as fit for the kingdom of God. You see, living in his presence should and will keep you moving forward. You weren't designed to peak at age 20. God has so much more than what you experienced in your college years. But we also shouldn't be looking back to a time where God was moving and saying, man, I wish I was back there, back in how God was moving then. No, God is still moving. He is still moving. He might be moving in a different way, or maybe you're so busy looking in the past, you're missing it. Don't miss how God is moving today. Stop looking back to the glory days because the glory days are ahead of you. But we also shouldn't be looking back to where we started. Should we look back and remember how God has blessed us, how he has grown us since then? Yes, of course. Share the testimony. Share the testimony of what God has done in your life. But if you start to focus on it, you're going to become complacent. When we focus on where we started, we stop. Say, well, I'm doing pretty good compared to then. Could I be doing more? Yeah, but I'm doing better than I was. See, we don't want to be using this as an excuse for becoming stagnant. We don't want to use that as an excuse. And this applies to more than just your relationship with God. 
Maybe you've become that in your job. Maybe it's in, in your friendships or your finances. Or maybe it's even in your marriage. Stop looking to where you're started and comparing yourself to then. Because God's vision and his plan for you are ahead of you. Keep your eyes up. Keep your eyes focused on him and his plans. So as we look at what's happening in the church right now, we're, we're in our bold campaign, right? Who's excited about our bold campaign that's happening? Yes. I'm so, so excited for it. I mean, I have a little bit of skin in the game because this building will become all next gen. So I am all on board. Build the building out there so we can have the building in here and we can just tear it up. I am so excited for that. But we could look at that. We could look at the pictures, the blueprints of the new building and say, man, do we really need that? We did just fine with what we had. We're doing just fine with what we have now. Well, yeah, we did do fine, but God is doing a new thing. He is doing a new thing. And we are preparing for growth and expansion because that's the vision that God has put on Pastor Jesse's heart. That's the vision he's put on the heart of us as staff. He is doing a new thing. And do we see it all yet? Do we have all of the money raised yet? No. But we don't have to. That's where our faith comes into play. We don't have to know the whole vision. We don't have to know the whole plan. We just have to put our faith and our trust in Jesus and say yes. We just have to say yes to what God is asking and keep moving forward. Forward into trust, forward into faith. See, I don't want to be like those disciples from our passage in Acts. I don't want to be like the disciples looking up into heaven as Jesus ascended, just waiting for him to come back. I don't want to look up and just say, God, I'm just going to stand here until you come back. You see, Jesus had to ascend so that we could receive the Holy Spirit and his power. And that's what the disciples needed reminded of. See, I'm sure they were standing there thinking, man, I was just in his presence. The Son of God was here with us. It was so easy for me to be in his presence and now he's gone. Yeah, but Jesus said, I have to go so that you can receive something greater. The Holy Spirit is greater because God's presence now lives in us. When Jesus died, the curtain, the veil was torn in two. What that signified is now that the presence of God wasn't only held in the Holy of Holies. The presence of God was everywhere. It was in his creation. It was in us as believers. We dwell with the presence of God every day. Are you in it? Get in his presence. Keep moving forward. Keep trusting him. Keep saying yes. And stay in his presence and watch as amazing things unfold in front of your eyes.
We serve a good God. Amen, church? We serve a good God. Go ahead and stand with me. So I know I've talked a lot about not just being in that moment, but living in it. Every second of the day, remembering that you carry the presence of God with you. But maybe you are in here and you have been living from that moment to moment. I want to give us an opportunity to just come down to the altar. Get the refill that you need. It's okay. It's okay to need refilled. It's okay to to be reminded that we need to be living in his presence. But then come down to the altar and get the fill. Pastor Sean talked about not making excuses. Don't use the excuse of, well, I'll just start tomorrow. You won't. I'm telling you right now because I do the same thing. I'll just start tomorrow. God, I'll wake up in the morning and the first thing I'm going to do is get in your presence and then you don't do it. So start now. As the worship team comes, we're going to sing a little bit more. Just come to the altar, get the fill, get in his presence, do it now. That way you've already broken the ice. As you wake up tomorrow, do it again. Get in his presence again, make it the priority, but start now. Start making your way down to the altar. If this is speaking to you, get in his presence. Say, God, we just want more of you. I don't need more of the things that you have to offer. I just need you. I need your grace. I need your mercy. Maybe you need renewed vision. You need renewed passion. You need the fire relit in you. Just come to the altar and say, God, just give me more of you. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.